Oh, who's ready for another fun show? This might be the most fun one of the year. Well, at least at least so far. This will be uh, the most entertaining show of the year. I just, I already know it. What's up, everybody? I'm Colton Denning. I'm the host of Scarlet and Gray Stripes, a subset of the Two Stripes podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. We're not doing all that today. We're going to get straight to the business because I'm getting in my duffel bag today, folks. Uh, and yeah, I'm your host, and we're going to talk about what What else would we talk about? Ohio State's win yesterday over Nebraska, 26-17 to 17 in Lincoln. Mmm, what fun that was. And it was another fun day of college football around the country. Uh, Michigan State lost to Purdue, who I'll talk about on the preview episode of Scarlet and Gray Stripes later this week. That should be also a lot of fun. And uh, Alabama almost lost. A couple other top 10 teams almost lost. Cincinnati looked terrible against Tulsa. Imagine what that feels like. Uh, wouldn't know. Um, but yeah, so it, let's let's do this. Let's get right to it and talk about Ohio State's 26-17 to win over Nebraska. I got a bunch of notes written down. Um, just like usual, I'm not going to go through the game play-by-play uh, play or chronologically, so uh, forgive me if I'm jumping around here, but let's just talk about everything that happened yesterday. And I know in that little intro there, I had a lot of sarcasm saying that this was going to be a fun episode and this was a fun game. But honestly, if you listen to my preview, uh, you would know that I thought that this game could be close. I thought that Nebraska, which they've done all season, had a very good chance of keeping it till the very end with Ohio State. And honestly, I'm not mad at all that this game was closer, that Ohio State had to weak, weak, had to eke out a win here over Nebraska on the road. It's a Big Ten Conference game. And this basically everything about how this game set up was that uh, it was going to be close. There's a reason that Nebraska plays games like this. And some of that might be because their head coach just stumbles on himself and it all ends up the same way. But there's a reason that they played Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue, all pretty good teams, close. And there's a reason they played Ohio State close yesterday. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. I'm going to be very, very negative on this show, uh, which I'm sure if you listen to it, like that's what you come to me for. That's that's what everybody knows me as. So I, I'm leaning into it today. We're going to be super negative about this one. But I want to make it clear that there's a lot of things to be happy about. For one, and I'll talk about, I'll save them for the end, uh, both these units here, and we'll just end the episode on a positive note. But just to say that I am happy with stuff, I'm happy with how Ohio State's defense looked like, except for two things, which I'm sure you can guess what those are. Uh, they played really well. I, I I love what I see from Ohio State's defense right now. Uh, and the special teams, defense and special teams, exactly what we thought Ohio State's strong suits would be in November, back when we were looking at this team in early September. So I'm happy with those things. I'm also happy with Jackson Smith and Jigbo. What a game for that dude. 15 catches, 240 yards, uh, school record for catches. What, second all-time behind only Terry Glenn on the yardage mark? He also had that just ridiculous 75-yard touchdown where he juked the dude, and then Chris Olave uh, blocking downfield for him. you love to see that. Those are very good things about this game, and I want to make it clear that no, I'm not. It's it's there's not everything to be mad about here, and I'm not mad that this game was close. I want to just reiterate that and make that a theme through this whole thing because there's no problem. I've got zero issue with uh, Nebraska playing Ohio State the way that they did, or I guess from our perspective that Ohio State played this way against Nebraska and that it was close. What I do have an issue with is how it happened because this was an extremely sloppy game from Ohio State. Not from the defense, for the most part. Not from special teams at all. Not from Jackson Smith and Jigba, but almost everybody else. Uh, this was awful. Sorry that my phone is going off here. But this wasn't an ugly win like Ryan Day said, or coaches and players sometimes say, uh, to get up at the podium and you say, well, it's a Big Ten conference game. It's hard. It's hard to win in conference. And it's true. 
but it, this was not an ugly win. Last week against Penn State was an ugly win. That was a game that they had to gut out against a team that always plays them tough against a very smart and just knowledgeable coaching staff on how to play Ohio State. That was an ugly win. This was not. This was almost a complete disaster. This looked, whatever year you want to go back to uh, at the end of the Urban Meyer run, this looked like part of 2018. This looked like part of 2017. This looked like part of 2016 or 2015. Take your pick, whatever you want to do. But this was almost a complete disaster for Ohio State. And the only reason that they won this game was because of Scott Frost. Whatever day that is, Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever the Ohio State coaching staff and the social media team puts out their champions of the game, when Jerry Emig, uh, what is he, the media relations director, puts out the champions of the game, Scott Frost needs to be on that list because he is uh, one of the main reasons Ohio State won this game because of just how terrible his coaching was. So thank you to Scott Frost for that. And since I'm being a bit over dramatic here. I'm laying it on thick. I go back to that, hey, Norrogals, the defense, special teams, they're all big reasons for the win as well. But Scott Frost, man, uh, I, I can see if you're in Nebraska, why you keep him because, and I'm just going off on a whole other tangent here. I can see why Nebraska would keep him because they, they are so close, but they lose these games in the same exact things keep happening. They have horrible special teams play. Uh, They get down into the red zone, and when it's fourth and three, instead of just going for it, Scott Frost elects to kick field goals, and their kicking has been atrocious all year. And the details of the game, something I talked about the last couple of weeks, the details of the game, Nebraska doesn't do any of those things well, and it all traces back to coaching. And it's so apropos because Ryan Day didn't manage any of the details of the game this week, or last week for that matter. Back-to-back stinkers from Ryan Day, and that brings me to him because as much as I said that Scott Frost was the only reason that Ohio State won the game, one person almost single-handedly lost the game for Ohio State, and that was the other coach, Ryan Day. Just an all-time terrible game from Day from in every single aspect. And again, I know I'm being a bit overdramatic here, but that was awful. Every single facet that we saw yesterday and what head coaches and coaches in general are supposed to do, game management, 54 passes, the balance of the game plan, completely off. Hello, 2018 Purdue. The play calling, but we'll talk about the play at the end of the game uh, a bit later on, but the play calling in general, and that's, that's always such an overused thing for us fans and I think it's it's less of a thing than we want it to be of like oh the play calling is bad the execution probably needed definitely needed to be better yesterday from the players on the field but the game management and the game decisions and the play calling not the best uh the response to to it afterwards instead of just saying hey that probably wasn't we didn't call a great game that that was on us uh just deflecting it that was something that struck me as well And overall, just the sloppiness. Again, Ohio State, bad in the red zone offensively. What, seven, eight penalties and all different varieties of penalties too. Holding penalties, illegal man downfield penalties, penalties on special teams. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert takes a late hit after an interception. They have just a horrendous delay of game, which I'll talk about here right now. I might as well jump right to that portion of of where I'm going with this, but just the offense in general was, it was so out of sync and it was so ugly. And all I can do is trace that back to Ryan Day and and the coaches and really just Ryan Day, because he's the one that always gets front and center about the offense. And we'll, we'll talk about that later in relation to some of the comments he made about the defense a few months ago when things were going wrong. But when the offense does this in back to back weeks, all you can really do, or I guess all I'm going to do, is point to Ryan Day and say that he has to be much better going forward because those were two complete stinkers from him back-to-back. 
in two moments in this game illustrate just why why I feel the way I do about the offense right now. And I'm sure I'm speaking. I don't want to say that I'm speaking for a lot of you, but I'm sure you have similar frustrations to mine. So two moments from the game yesterday that really stood out to me and just illustrate the overall sloppiness that we saw from Ohio State yesterday and last week against Penn State. And the first one of those was the last play of the first quarter. And the game is tied 0-0, second and seven. You know, it's just nothing out of the ordinary. You can, if you have an offense like Ohio State's, you can really do anything on this down that you want. Ohio State comes out in four wide. They have Travion Henderson in the backfield, in shotgun. Do you remember this play? Do you want to go back and watch last play of the first quarter? Stroud doesn't really drop back. He just takes the snap. And in about less than a second, he looks to his left and he throws, I don't know if it's a screen or just whatever they call that route in the Ohio State route tree lexicon. I don't know what it is, but it's just a throw to the line of scrimmage, a little stop. And he throws it out wide to the boundary. And who's he throw to? You guessed it, Ohio State's number one playmaker, Mitch Rossi, who surprisingly isn't able to make a move on the Nebraska defensive back. And what, did he get one yard? Was it a... Uh, uh, no gain. I, I don't know what that play is. I don't know what that sets up. Um, basically just threw a down away at the end of the first quarter. And then they, they came back out. They acted like they were going to snap the ball. They didn't do anything. You go into the second quarter, zero, zero. And in the grand scheme of things, is that something to spend a couple of minutes about on the podcast when there were so many other things that went bad for this team yesterday or for the offense yesterday, I should say? Probably not, but it's just a symptom to the overall larger problem that I think they're having on offense right now of Ryan Day just trying to outsmart all of all of the problems that they're running into or just outsmart everybody, trying to be the smartest guy in the room. What does a little screen to Mitch Rossi accomplish for your offense? What does it set up for later in the game? Do you think Purdue's defensive coordinator or Michigan State or Michigan's guys are looking at that like, oh boy, we got to watch out for Mitch Rossi wide. He might beat us. He, he might make one of our secondary guys. If you're Michigan or Georgia or Alabama or whoever, he might make one of our four stars miss in the open field. You got to watch out for Mitch Rossi. And I swear that's not me trying to take shots at him. I love that he's uh, been a part of the offense this year. I think you probably need to scale it down because it's not doing much right now. But it's just the general thing that Ryan Day is doing right now and it's over basically just overcomplicating everything is where I'm going with that and I feel like the last two weeks have been quite a bit of that and that's the first moment that really stood out to me of just how sloppy and how ugly from the top down starting with Ryan Day Ohio State's offense is right now secondly let's move to again later on in a quarter And it's the third quarter, 22 seconds left in the third. Ohio State has first and 10 at the 25. And if you see that down in distance and see that yardage marker, you're probably thinking, huh, that sounds like you're coming out of a commercial break and uh, a kickoff. And you would be right because Nebraska had just scored at that point to make the game 23 to 17. Lincoln is fired up. That stadium is going crazy. They've got some momentum. They've got some juice. But Ohio State gets a chance to kind of reset and figure out what they want to do on offense. And what do they do on first down? If you want to say that's a play where C.J. Stroud misses somebody or they take a holding penalty or whatever, you would be wrong because Ohio State doesn't even get a playoff there. They take a delay of game coming out of a commercial break and a touchback. There really isn't more to say than just who does that. And I I don't know how that doesn't do a great job of illustrating exactly where the offense is right now and what Ryan Day's mindset is and how overcomplicated everything is for them right now. Instead of just getting the ball to your playmakers, you come out of a commercial break on the first play of a drive and you take a delay of game. And maybe you want to argue that, hey, that's on CJ Stroud. He needs to you know, act a little faster and the offense needs to get their asses in gear and call a play. But even if you look at the bottom of the screen as that ha- as that's happening, 
I'm pretty sure you could see Ryan Day at the bottom of the screen, and he's not really doing anything. He's he, There's no urgency for him or telling C.J. Stroud to snap the ball either. Um, and those two plays to me really stood out, and I brought them up because both of those plays on their own, on their own, both of those plays would, for me, be the worst moment of the season for the offense, or the ugliest moment of the season for the offense. If you want to argue something from the Oregon game or Tulsa game, that's fine. But with Stroud's shoulder injury and everything we know now, it makes a little bit more sense why the offense was uh, you know, struggling, struggling a little bit in certain areas in those games. But the fact that both of these moments happened in the same game would be bad enough, let alone that they just happened in general to an offense and to a coaching staff with this much talent. But it makes it even better, or I guess worse, that neither of them come close to the worst moment of this game offensively. That's how bad it was and how sloppy it was for Ohio State. And 16 minutes in, I can't believe it took me that long to finally talk about it. Let's have a discussion about when Ohio State was up 23-17 to with under two minutes to go in the game. The clock is running. Scott Frost, I thought that was kind of dumb. But in hindsight, he actually kind of played that one right, I think, with time management. But Nebraska had all three timeouts. Ohio State had first and 10 at the Nebraska 34. They're moving the ball down the field, and they were passing it a little bit. And they had finally, for the first time really all game, had some big runs. I think Travion Henderson had a 20-yard run at some point, had an 11-yard run. So Ohio State is moving the ball down, and they're getting ready to close this game out. It's first and 10 from the Nebraska 34. And what... Does Ryan Day decide to call? He calls one, a pass, which is bad enough in itself, but two, doesn't leave Travion Henderson in to protect for C.J. Stroud, runs him out onto the other side, onto the boundary, on a flat route or whatever it was. And Nebraska, of course, brings pressure. And I don't know who it was in the middle of the line. Looked like they just got completely toasted. And C.J. Stroud, almost immediately after he does uh, this little shoulder shimmy because they wanted to do a double move for some reason. He gets pressured and there's no running back to chip for him. So he's got to make a play and he decides that he's going to do the Tony Romo spin on JJ Watt from 2014 and look for a play down the field. But when he spins and he tries to reload, he gets hit as he throws and fumbles the ball, and luckily, just an unbelievably lucky play for Ohio State. They recover the ball, they pick up some yards afterwards, and Noah Ruggles, God bless him, saves saves the game, possibly saves the season for what they want to be, and Ohio State builds up a nine-point lead, and it's really enough for them to escape with the win. And I'm going to get to Stroud next after I finish this thing on Ryan Day. I don't know if this has all been tied together well enough, but it's one of the worst decisions you'll ever see from any head coach at any high level of football. And it's not just the fact that he called a pass. It's that uh, it was a double move. There was nobody in the chip. You haven't been on all game. Your quarterback certainly hasn't been on all game. He's, He's made a couple of really bad decisions and you put him in that spot to make that play. Um, just a horrific, tragic, horrendous, whatever word you want to use to describe it, an awful call from Ryan Day. And it makes matters worse that in postgame, he tried to justify it. And I have the quote uh, right here. He said, quote, if we have a little bit more protection, there was something coming open there. I thought we had the right coverage and we just didn't execute. So we got to do a better job there. You f***ing think? The season almost ended on that play. Who knows? Like Maybe Ohio State uh, holds there. Or if Nebraska recovers and returns it for a touchdown, maybe there's enough time for Ohio State to go back down the field and Noah Ruggles uh, kicks a field goal anyway and they escape with just this crazy, dramatic win. But not only was the play call horrendous, but Ryan Day trying to justify it afterwards was even worse. And I, I would... Uh, recommend that you go actually listen to the quote. I think you can find it on YouTube if you just search uh, Ryan Day post Nebraska 2021, because I think it was Bill Landis who asked the question. And the way that Ryan Day answered it, first of all, 
he acted like he didn't even know what play he was asking about. I think he asked Bill specifically, like, are you talking about the one play in the third quarter or uh, the final play? And then just like... (laughs) It was just like, oh, yeah, we we totally were just looking for a double move there. Like, bro, th- there's a minute left. What are you doing? The season's on the line. You don't he Ryan Day keeps talking about style points. We don't need style points. Uh, we're we I, I want to win games ugly because that's how championship teams work. Uh, why are you calling a double move and a little shoulder shimmy pump fake? What is that not style points? That seems like the definition of style points to me when the game in the season is on the line. And when you can't afford a Big Ten loss because you have Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan coming up, what are you doing? And I'm not going to sit here and advocate that Ryan Day should give up play calling or that he's an overrated offensive mind or that he's terrible, whatever. But in the scope of what we've seen the last two weeks, Ryan Day has been terrible. The last two games have been two of his worst games that he's called at Ohio State. And they've been two of the worst games for Ohio State offensively since he's been here. And while I'm talking about Bill Landis, I might as well give him credit here for uh, for this because he wrote he wrote about this in his recap in The Athletic, which you should, should subscribe to. But in the past two games, Ohio State has scored four touchdowns on 27 possessions. And... Just like the Scott Frost thing, how I said uh, the the big problem for Nebraska isn't just that they're losing these close games. It's that they're losing them the exact same way every single time. And for the last two weeks, maybe it's a small sample size. I don't know. That's why I'm not going to completely rake Ryan Day over the coals here for it. But for the past two weeks, Ohio State's problems are the exact same things. And Landis goes on to say that uh, they were one for six in scoring touchdowns in the red zone against Penn State, one for three against Nebraska on Saturday. 5.9 yards per play, fewest against Nebraska, or let's see here, the 5.9 yards per play at average against the Cornhuskers are the third fewest in a game since Day became head coach, trailing the 2019 Penn State game, another game of classic overcomplication and uh, having Justin Fields throw, again, another just terrible decision if you remember that game 2019 Penn State I think that was the play he got hurt on right and then the national championship against Alabama which I've said I I don't care about that game at all they were they were so uh up with COVID and everything else going on that I'm not going to hold that against him but the last two weeks uh just the same thing and I'll, I'll talk about the offensive line too we saw the same thing we saw from the offense last week and I know that there was no Garrett Wilson I didn't talk about that at all and then uh, Daywan Jones didn't start the game because of a flu issue with his stomach, but then he got into the game too. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson made a that that makes a difference not having him in the offense. But you see what Jackson Smith and Jigba was able to do. They should be just fine with Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba as your starting receivers. And Travion Henderson was good to go, and the whole offensive line basically was playing after Jones got back in. So there's really no excuse for what they've done the last two weeks. And that's just the big problem with the team right now. I don't know if it'll be a problem in the last three games of the season. They'll have to work on it and figure it out. But it's been a problem the last two weeks. And it's back-to-back games where Day has just dropped an absolute stinker. And I I said it before, he gets way too cute. I went on a little a little Twitter rant about it yesterday where there's this these stretches where he tries to be the smartest guy in the room. And it goes back to the first drive against uh, against Nebraska yesterday. First drive, and they get to the fourth and one. And what do they do? They call the play action, and they throw the ball down the seam to Jeremy Ruckert. And to their credit, the play should have worked. Stroud hit Ruckert in the hands. It was a nice play by Luke Reimert or whoever the Nebraska linebacker was. But again, all of that, all of that work, all of that deception just to get a fourth and one. And it's worked before. We saw it in the 2019 Clemson game on the fourth and one call to Olave. And Day seems to really like that on these fourth and shorts to kind of get creative with it. But to me, that's just one of the big problems with the offense right now is that they are working so hard for every single yard, it seems like. 
when they have players like Jackson Smith and Jigba on his touchdown, it's just like, dude, get the ball to those guys and get the fuck out of the way. Get the ball to Jackson Smith and Jigba seven yards down the field. Watch him go upfield, juke a guy, and go 76 yards down the field for a touchdown. And then you have Chris Olave being unselfish, running his ass all the way up the field and blocking for him. That's what this team is about. That's what they're about when Garrett Wilson is in. They don't need Ryan Day to be the most creative and uh, play caller in the world. They don't need to look like Wake Forest running the slow mesh or everything that Coastal Carolina does. Yeah, that stuff is super cool, and I'd love to see it as a part of Ohio State's offense, but there's a reason you recruit the best talent. Look at what uh, Kirby Smart said about Georgia's defense a couple weeks ago. You coach the best talent, you put those guys in positions to succeed, and again, you get the f*** out of the way. And Ryan Day hasn't done that the last two weeks. They've completely overcomplicated everything. And I don't have specific tweaks for the offense. I say all the time, I'm too dumb for that. I'm not going to act like I know uh, the X's and O's and everything going on with uh, how to call offense and what the tweaks are. But I do know that Ryan Day has to be better because the last two weeks haven't been up to par. And that's not taking anything away from Nebraska's defense or Penn State's defense, who both really good defenses. And like I said in the preview, I thought this would be a close game. I thought it would be a shootout. I didn't think Nebraska would do uh, to Ohio State's offense what they did. And you got to give them credit for some of the plays they made. But just the way that Day is calling offense and the general sloppiness of the offense, um, it just all comes back to him. And it all comes back to being too cute, to still not having an identity. They just seem like they're a very robotic offense that uh, the plays the plays should work because the plays are 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 really good and they're schemed up really well. No, just just get the ball to the talented players and let them uh, do their things. And uh, just a, a quick reminder, and I, I brought this up a little bit earlier. Uh, remember after the, it was either the Oregon or the Tulsa game. I don't know if it was uh, the post game or it was the Tuesday media availability for day where he spent at least a couple of minutes talking about uh, having to spend more time with the defense. And when the defense was as bad as they were to start the season, how more or less his quote was, I have to spend more time with those guys and it takes away from the offense. Well, that excuse is gone. The, The defense the last month and a half has played their asses off. They've won the last two games for them. So I would assume that Ryan Day... Since he says, hey, when, when the defense is going, I like to leave that up to those guys. They do their thing. I spend more time with the offense. What's the excuse for the offense? Whose fault is that? I think that he was right in burying those guys publicly and saying that they needed, needed to be better. But when the offense is playing the way they are, it can't just be, oh, man, Nebraska and Penn State, those defenses were real tough. you you got to give those guys credit. Uh, we just... You know, ugly wins. You got to win ugly in this conference. Championship teams win ugly. No, that's bullshit. This team is too talented for that. Ryan Day is too good of an offensive coach for that. There needs to be a little bit of ownership. That's all I'm asking for at the start of the year. All I wanted to see was accountability from the defense and the defensive coaches. They did that. And they've made their tweaks and they fixed it. And to their credit, the defense and the special teams have won Ohio State the last two games. The guy who runs the offense is also runs the program, and he needs to have some accountability for the way that the offense has played the last couple of weeks. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying fire Ryan Day or I, I think Ryan Day sucks, any of that stuff. But the last two weeks have just been god-awful, and he has to be better, and I think it just has to be uh, simplified and needs to... Uh, needs to run better than it does. So I hope that makes sense. Those are my thoughts on Ryan Day because that's my main takeaway from this is that this was only a game because the two head coaches were just awful and Ryan Day got lucky that Scott Frost was worse than him. So, um, you know, kudos. Thank God that Scott Frost was as bad as he was yesterday. All right, that that good enough for you? Negative Colton is back, everybody. Let's let's go. I told you I was getting into my duffel today. Um, and if this isn't for you, then I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a bunch of Ohio State podcasts that are a little more upbeat, positive. I'm going to get to that when I talk about the defense and the special teams. 
Um, you know, this is just, it is what it is. And I'm not saying that I'm right about any of this stuff or that you can't disagree or whatever, but this is, these are just my takeaways from this. So, uh, those are my thoughts on Ryan Day. So let's move on to CJ Stroud, shall we? And a perfect place for me to start on this subject is by saying that I was wrong and I was stupid because when Stroud fumbled that ball late in the fourth quarter and Ohio State recovered, my dumbass immediately went to Twitter and said, there's no way Stroud can be starting next week or something something along those lines. The, the general point was that uh, Stroud can't start next week against Purdue. That was dumb. And I had a couple of people reply to me right away and say, hey man, that's dumb. You guys were right about that. That was really stupid. That was a stream of consciousness thing and I wanted to have a laugh about that and just be like, yeah, that was that was very dumb. And I, I'm going to go in and how, how ugly Stroud played yesterday, but he's Ohio State starter. He's the starter for the rest of the year. Uh, I think when... Uh, depending on how the rest of the year goes, when spring ball starts next season, uh, if Quinn Ewers is still around, that needs to be an open competition. And hopefully, like, I would be more than happy to say that, uh, to look back on this and be like, wow, that was dumb. CJ Stroud beasted out for the rest of the season. But my general point here and everything I saw yesterday, I'm starting to uh, not be convinced. And I've been, since even the Oregon game, I came on here and was like, I he played really well. And then there was the Tulsa game and I wavered a little bit. And then the way he's played the last month up until the Penn State game was awesome. But the last two weeks, man, I don't know how to describe it. And I'm not going to psychoanalyze a guy or try to talk about what CJ Stroud's personality is because one, it's inappropriate and it's just, it's wrong to try to gauge that off of somebody. One, that you don't know. And two, that's still a young kid. But from his play style is the best way to put it. I just do not see a Ryan Day Ohio State quarterback right now. I'll add that caveat. Right now in the last two weeks, I don't see it. And part of that, I think, is probably because he's a freshman. And some of it is just, you know, you're getting in the reps and it is it is Big Ten play and these are tougher opponents. But the body language, the fact that the offense just has no fire, they have no style, there's no attitude in the offense. It, it, to me, it all starts with him in that in that regard on the field. Everything starts with Ryan Day from how the offense is set up. But the way that C.J. Stroud is playing right now, when things go wrong, do you feel comfortable that C.J. Stroud can lead them out of that? If they're, if they're down seven against Michigan in the second half in the big house in a couple of weeks, do you feel comfortable that C.J. Stroud is going to lead them back in that game? I don't know. And I don't want to just put a no on everything or say that like I'm done with CJ Stroud. But I just, I don't know exactly how to describe it. There was a handful of plays yesterday that it's one thing to just make a bad play. It's one thing to be a freshman. It's another thing to have those handful of plays just be like, what are you doing, man? At any level of football, doesn't matter if you're a freshman, doesn't matter if you're a rookie in the NFL, doesn't matter if you're in high school. There were three or four plays that you just you just can't can't have as an Ohio State quarterback. Uh, whether it's that first interception that he threw, uh, where he's on a rollout, it's a first down, it's a first and ten from the twenty-two on the plus side of the field. You're basically in the red zone and. I don't want to bring up the running thing anymore and RPOs and they people keep asking about that and yelling about that. But dude, go back and watch that play. There's five yards just right there, open, right there that you can take and get to second and five, actually get in the red zone and have a chance at, hey, even if the offense keeps struggling, you got a kicker that hasn't missed a field goal all year. Get some points on the board, on the road, against a strong defense. What does he do? He throws the ball into coverage on the sideline and it's picked off. Ends the drive. And quite honestly, that was what he deserved because he should have thrown two interceptions on that drive anyway. They're they're lucky that it was the first or second play. He threw a hitch route to, I think, Jackson Smith and Jigba and it hit the Nebraska, uh, whoever it was, linebacker or safety or corner, right in the hands, just went right through him. That should have been a pick. He tried to force the ball uh, down the seam to Olave, that probably should have been a pick. So he got what he deserved for making that decision at the end of that drive. 
You just can't have that. The second interception, also on first down, also a play where there's nothing there, man. Just take the sack. Just get out of the play. Get out of it with harm done. It, It is what it is. And maybe, again, that's just a freshman thing. But on the run, he just throws the ball up, and it's in double coverage, and Nebraska picks it off. And it's a moment where, again, you just cannot have that. In the second half, I think it was the third or the fourth quarter, third quarter. No, it it was the fourth quarter. I'm sorry. I'm arguing with myself here. There was that intentional grounding, and part of that, I think, is on Ryan Day and that play call. He doesn't even get the ball to the line of scrimmage. What are you doing? Like, none of it makes any sense. And then the, the fumble. The call is terrible, and Ryan Day is getting all of the heat for that, and rightfully so, and I gave him all the heat for it earlier. But again, you cannot have that. It do- I don't care if you're a freshman. I don't care what level of football that you play. You absolutely can't do that. You, you do, the again, the Tony Romo spin move, the Russell Wilson spin move on a guy, and then you try to load up and throw and try to, on a double move, and try to work to the other side of the field. There's a minute left. You're up six. I, I would understand it more if you're up seven, but bro, you're, you're up six points. Take the sack. Take the damage. Get out of the play. Those are mistakes, and every quarterback makes mistakes, and I don't want to overjudge C.J. Stroud for that. But between uh, that, there was, I think there was a first down to Smith and Jigbo or like a six-yard gain on a crossing route where Travion Henderson ran a wheel route. Pocket was open. That play was a touchdown. He just completely ran past the linebacker. Didn't even see him. There was a couple of plays like that. And to give C.J. Stroud some credit, there were a couple of late throws that were just awesome. And the throw to Jeremy Ruckert on the fourth down, too. That was a pretty good throw. Hit Jeremy Ruckert in the hand. So I don't want to act like it was all bad. The dude had to throw the ball 54 times yesterday. So it's not all his fault. And I do like C.J. Stroud a lot. And I want to see him succeed and be the guy. But the mentality for me... (laughs) I said on Twitter, it was a deer in the headlights thing. And there's just a look that I, I just don't know if you can win with. And that is that is what it is. It's one of those dumb football things that I make fun of people all the time for saying, and you can't quantify it. But And it's not a screaming, yelling leader thing. You know, Justin Fields was a natural leader. Dwayne Haskins, who wasn't the same as Justin Fields, he didn't really seem like a guy who uh, yelled and screamed a lot and was doing doing a whole bunch of stuff but he had just an he had an uber confidence about him when he came onto the field in that 2017 uh Michigan game you just felt like okay this is the moment isn't too big for this guy the moment feels too big for CJ Stroud right now and maybe I'm alone in thinking that and I'm I'm not trying to say that like that's what he is as a person So I want to clarify that because I don't want to overstep my bounds here. I'm talking about C.J. Stroud as a football player right now on the field, and I feel like it's important to clarify that, that it's, it's not trying to take shots at him as an actual human being. I just do not see that type of leadership. And hey, he's a freshman. It is what it is. But even in the postgame with some of the quotes, uh, the thing about uh, you know, I'm not here to run the ball. I'm not a running back. I'm, I'm here to throw. Man, like, come on. The, the play that, that was in question there, it's five yards, bro, and you threw a pick. Like, that directed, that directed directly impacted the game in a negative way. The second pick directly impacted the game in a negative way. I think... They, they show us these sideline shots, and I don't want to take too much from them, but like just go back and watch the game after the offense had a bad series and they showed the sideline. All those dudes are sitting there with their heads down. They're hanging their shoulders. There's no juice. There's no emotion. There's no attitude. There's no energy. And, hey, maybe some of that's on some of the more veteran guys, Olave, Wilson, even though he wasn't playing, whatever. But it starts with your quarterback. And it's not there right now. And he can say back to the postgame quotes thing, hey, I'm, I'm confident. I feel like I can be the best player in the country, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe what he's saying right now because what's happened on the field the last couple of weeks hasn't 
match that. So I hope, again, all of that makes sense. I want to reiterate and hammer home that that's just me talking about on-the-field stuff, not C.J. Stroud as an actual person. I do like C.J. Stroud. I hope he goes out and kills it against Purdue. I think he'll have a big game against Purdue, and I would love, like the way I looked like an idiot on Twitter, saying he couldn't start next week. I hope he makes me look like an absolute moron and just plays lights out for the rest of the season. But back to the same thing I said about Day, the last two weeks, it hasn't been there, and it hasn't been there in a very, very big and noticeable way. And some of that stuff isn't quantifiable. It's like the leadership fire stuff I was talking about, but the other stuff, the interceptions, the play at the end of the game, uh, man, you just cannot have that with the situations they were in and the players that he is playing with. You just cannot have that as an Ohio State quarterback. So that's where I'm at there. I wanted to start with Day and Stroud because those were the two things that are most concerning with me about this football team right now, which is crazy to think about like a month ago. But yeah, that's that's what I think. Uh, other offensive thoughts that I have, I'm going to try to run through this. We're, we're already 41 minutes in. I feel like I just kind of went off the rails there. But other offensive thoughts, the line, don't feel any better about them. Uh, th- there was shuffling. Um, I don't. I don't even know how much they played with that reshuffled offensive line. I don't even think it's worth talking about because Daywan Jones was back in the game in the first quarter. But again, it's clear to me that this, whatever this all tackle offensive line is, it doesn't work. It does not work. And you can say, Hey, Travion Henderson is already at X amount of yards and Ohio state has X amount of yards rushing this season. Every other team in the country would kill for that Uh, with their talent level. It shouldn't be what it is. They shouldn't be struggling every single time they have a third and short, a third and two or a fourth and one to run the ball. And back to the Ryan Day thing, again, maybe that's the reason he is getting cute with these play calls because he doesn't trust his offensive line to push forward and get yards. So you would think if that's all tied in together that, hey, maybe you should shuffle around the offensive line because it's not working. It's clearly not. And like I said on the preview, I don't have the answers for that because whatever answers come from that are going to have have to be some really, really tough questions. Um, but for the second straight week with them too, and for most of this season, they can't get a push. They can't hold the line. I think they're doing a pretty good job protecting CJ Stroud, which, hey, you should. You're all offensive tackles. Good. Uh, but getting a push in the run game is something that's not happening right now. And for the last two weeks, they've gotten their asses kicked. And so I don't have any sort of faith that they're just going to change it because, again, those are tough questions to have. I don't think they're willing to have them in mid-November. But you do the same thing, you're going to get the same results. And as long as Ohio State keeps running out the all-tackle offensive line, you're going to get the same results. That's really uh, all there is to it. Chris Olave, seven catches, 61 yards, one touchdown. Another, another pretty good game for him, and it's not just the catches. Uh, it's running down the field and blocking for Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's leadership. That's that's a dude making a play when the ball isn't in his hand. But again, for some reason, and it's not on him, they go through stretches where it just feels like he's a ghost. And they may that may not that might not make sense when you have seven catches for 61 yards and a beautiful touchdown move. But there seems to be large stretches of every game where they cannot figure out a way to get him the ball. And that's one of, if not the best deep threat in college football. And I don't know it's, if it's because, again, another season-long problem, there's, there's no deep game to him. It seems like every Stroud throw to Chris Olave down the field is just barely over his fingertips or just barely you know hits him in the hands or he has to dive out to make an incredible catch. They haven't been on the same page down the field all season. They, they completed one down-the-seam pass against Oregon down the sidelines, and I know there was a play-action touchdown against Penn State, but there, there's no vertical passing game down the sidelines in general. While I'm all the, on the Olave thing, they, just, they cannot throw down the sideline for shit, and I'm not going to blame that on anybody, but it's just something that's very noticeable, and uh, it's just not a part of the offense this year, and that really sucks when you have Chris Olave, who makes all of those sorts of plays. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 
he broke he broke the uh, single game catch record with 15. He had 240 yards, a touchdown. Um, I, th- there's really no analysis here. He's he's unbelievable. He's going to have over a thousand yards receiving. Uh, the juke on the 75 yarder. They really needed that one. I don't know uh, how confident you'd be if he only got like 12 yards there. If the offense could have gone down and score, so you know what a must play that was for him to have. And uh, he continues to get better. And the chemistry that he has with Stroud is very noticeable. And it is probably the best thing about the offense right now. So Jackson Smith and Jigba keeps improving. And uh, man, just nobody nobody can cover that guy. Um, good to see while we're talking about the receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Julian Fleming. Nice to see them in the game. Great to see Julian Fleming just healthy. And I think I, it makes sense why they didn't rule that a catch at the end of the game. It just was a bad angle, and it looked like he was bobbling a little bit. But I, I love that he's getting involved, and they're trying to get him the ball because he's going to be an important piece for this team on the next couple of seasons, and he can go out there and play and make plays. So I love that they're throwing to him. Same for Marvin Harrison Jr., had a couple of nice catches, had what would have been a, a really great catch and was a great throw by Stroud on the sideline where it just went right through his hands and it looked like he was trying to get both of his feet in. Should have had that one, but hey, you got to get those young dudes experience. So I love to see that. Travion Henderson, just another one of those games where it doesn't look like he did anything really. And he ends up with, I think it was 136 total yards. Uh, that's how special of a player he is. He makes like one or two, um, you know, plays late in the game on those two runs. And you're like, oh, that's the first thing Travion Henderson's done. And then you look at the stat sheet and see that he put up uh, 136 total yards. I, I don't want to speculate. It looks like he's banged up. I don't know what it is. He's gone off the field now in the Penn State game, uh, today's or yesterday's game, and a couple of other times. It looks like he's working through something. I don't know exactly what that is, but it does feel like a little bit of his explosiveness for whatever reason is kind of sapped right now. And he's still putting up these numbers. So uh, hopefully he continues to stay healthy and is a big part of the offense. And that's that's it for them. Hopefully they're better against Purdue. They need to be better uh, in every single way. Hopefully Garrett Wilson is back the offensive line. I, I would love to see tweaks. I'm not going to count on it. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and I, I hope that Ryan Day calls a better game and that CJ Stroud is locked in and just makes me look like a dipshit and goes out there and throws for 300 yards and four touchdowns. And I can come on here and say, hey, you know what? Just like the tweet where I said he shouldn't start, uh, I was wrong about that and I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot for doubting him at all. So I would love to do that next week when I'm doing the recap for that game. All right, that's that's all my negativity for this episode. You got 48 minutes of it. If the two of you who still are listening to this are around, let's talk positive and let's talk about the defense. This show's going to go over an hour. That's the last thing I want, but I have to spend some time talking about the defense and just how impressed I am with them. Uh, they, they were awesome yesterday. And for the most part, I thought they were pretty good against Penn State, but on the preview I said that this game would be the one that shows me how much of that defensive improvement we've seen is actually real. And like, we still need to see a little bit more before I'm like, Hey, this is a, this is a top tier, you know, top 20 defense. But yesterday was a great indicator that, uh, that it might be for real uh, because Nebraska's offense is explosive, which we saw and they can move the ball despite their flaws. And uh, for the most part, man, they did a really good job. They held Nebraska to five and a half yards per play. They had five sacks. Uh, One of my favorite parts about this defense right now is it feels like the defensive line in in the secondary or the corners at least are kind of working in tandem and they're on the same page and uh, the coverage has been good and that's helping the defensive line and the ends and the interior guys are getting to the quarterback and that's helping those corners in their coverage. So it feels like they're really working in concert and we know how good the interior of the line has been, but now the defensive ends are starting to show up in a very big way. They're starting to find their game. And that starts with uh, Tyreek Smith. I I've been saying like, we've been waiting for Northwestern Clemson, Tyreek Smith. He's here and he was everywhere yesterday. He got held at least four or five times. Uh, He was an absolute beast. He had a deflected pass in the second half I don't know what else uh, you can really say about Tyreek Smith. 
He has turned the corner. He looks healthy. He's ready to go. And he's balling out like he did at the end of uh, last season. And that just unlocks their defense. It unlocks a new level for the defense when he's doing that and the ends are doing that because Zach Harrison had uh, a sack yesterday, had a couple of other pressures. Uh, When those two guys are coming off the edge, man, with what the interior guys do, the defense is legitimately very good. And you add uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste to the mix there. He had a sack off the edge that was really cool. Uh, Jack Sawyer had an ass sack where he just kind of, he had to turn his body because of the block and, and literally tackled Adrian Martinez with his ass. And then Nebraska tried to do a rollout to the right and Sawyer just, there was no way that play was going to get off. He pushed off on the tackle. Uh, Nebraska's tackles, man. Prayers to those guys. Those They definitely, they're probably ice bathing it up today after the way that they got beaten by the Ohio State defensive end. So uh, Jack Sawyer, did I say Zach Sawyer? Jack Sawyer with uh, another good game. JTT, another tackle for loss for him. Uh, so those guys are getting, they're sprinkling in too. So you have the big dogs finally starting to eat, and then the young pups are making plays too. And uh, back to that analogy, it's uh, unlocking a new level for the defense, and it's really the thing that they've been missing, and they're finally getting that pressure from the outside, not only in the pass game, but in the run game too. And the interior, they keep playing well. Uh, I would be remiss to not mention Teron Vincent the last couple of weeks. Uh, From the get-go yesterday, on that first drive for Nebraska, I think it was a third and one or the third and two. He completely blew that play up. He's what made them settle for a field goal. He had a couple of other plays. He made a couple of plays against Penn State and had a couple of nice rushes. So uh, Teron Vincent looks like he's healthy. He's finally starting to live up to you know his hype when he came in too. So I love that he's playing really well. And the rest of the interior has been great all season. But now they have a depth of like, five or six guys that they can just rotate through. And when you put that in concert with the defensive line or with the, the defensive ends, that gets back to what we all uh, wanted to see in preseason. Or All the talk was like, hey, this line is the best in the country. I don't know if they're the best. Georgia's looks pretty damn good, but they're starting to live up to that hype, which is really cool. Um, speaking of living up to the hype, Steel Chambers, they played without him in the first half. He immediately on the first play that he was in the game made a tackle, made a couple other plays. Uh, he had the whatever it was, pass interference on the screenplay. I really don't think there's anything he could have done there. But then at the end of the game, like sometimes if you're a good player, the ball finds ways to find you. He has the pick. The game was over at that point. But just another, I think, another important thing for his confidence of just being able to make plays in different phases of the game. So Steel Chambers, uh, now for sure. You do not take that guy off of the field. He is good to go in any situation. Marcus Williamson, he's absolutely one of my favorite players on this defense. Uh, he had a, he definitely passed interfered on the last Nebraska drive of the second to last one, I guess, where it was still a six-point game. They should have called that. But other than that, man, that dude loves to hit, and he had a couple of good coverage moments too. So Marcus Williamson has been a piece for this defense that uh, has really stepped up for them and they've needed him and he's deserving of all the extra playing time or uh, more of the playing time that he's gotten in the last month and a half. So I love to just watch him come up because he will hit anybody. It doesn't matter how big he is going to come up and he is going to crush you. So he's one of my favorite players to watch on this defense. And I've talked about it, everything on the defense without the bad part of it, because for the most part, it was awesome. We know what the bad parts of it are. I don't need to say it. I, You you know what it is, and I, I don't know if they're going to make the changes there at the one at the one spot for sure. Uh, there was another another area that was very bad, or I get not another area, but another player who had a very bad game. We don't need to go in there. You know what it is, uh, and I'm just not going to spend my time calling for it when up to this point, like it just does not seem like it's something that they're going to do, but it needs to happen. And that's really, that that seems like it's the final piece for this defense to actually get back to being a top tier defense is having players on that back end, two players, or just maybe one that, uh, that can be back there with Ronnie Hickman and uh, just not get beat deep 
I guess, is, is the best way to put it there. So I'm not going to go in too much there. We all know what the problems are. Um, they've won the game the last two weeks. The defense and the special teams has, while I'm on that subject. Noel Ruggles, man, uh, the MVP of the team, basically, for the last couple of weeks. Jesse Mirko, too, with his punts. Uh, special teams, I said in the preview, were may swing the game, maybe the reason Ohio State wins. Pretty much. Them, them in the defense, the special teams were outside of Kate Stover's block in the back, uh, a huge asset to Ohio State in this game. And imagine imagine saying that in September about the defense. The special teams is more likely, but the defense, like that they would be the reason Ohio State is winning conference games against good teams. Record Records be damned with Nebraska. That's, that's a solid team that just has a head coach who uh, just can't figure it out pretty much. Uh, but they're a good team, and that's a good win. There's a reason that they've played all those other top 10 teams that they played this year close. So I wouldn't be too worried that it was a close game, um, and I would be very happy. I'm happy. I hope you are too, that the defense is playing the way that they are. So just, yeah, imagine back in September saying that. Let's get to questions real quick uh, to wrap up the show. Tom Whitman says, can we admit that the all-tackle O-line experiment experience, it is an experience. Uh, Can we admit that the all-tackle O-line experiment has backfired in a big way? Pass protection is okay, but run blocking feels non-existent. Yeah, they're they're not getting any push. It feels like either dudes are in the backfield or Travion Henderson or whoever's running the ball is just getting tackled like three yards downfield. And maybe uh, Henderson and Teague or Williams or whoever, whoever else is running. Maybe they need a little bit more elusiveness from those guys. Maybe Ryan day needs to be a little bit more creative in some of the stuff that they're doing in the run game, but the, the all tackle O line, it's just, I, I don't think it's, I mean, yeah, it's a failure, but it's, it's not terrible. They're not a terrible offensive line, but it's, it's not up to standards and it's not, worked the way that they want it to and that is enough for me to say hey this is this is bad it's not bad by everybody else's standards but I think it's bad by Ohio State standards and they don't uh they don't need to do that anymore and I don't know what the answers are like I said but I'm done with it um Eddie has two questions what was with the play calling no idea I don't think anybody but Ryan Day even Ryan Day can't answer that there's literally nobody that can answer that but the the answer to it is in the room. It's in the room with Ryan Day, and I think it comes back to what it came back to with the defense. Just accountability, that what they're doing isn't working, and what Day is doing and some of the overcomplication isn't what they need to be doing, and he needs to go in a different direction with that. And hey, I have faith that Ryan Day will. I hope he will, and he's he's one of the best in the country, but right now... Uh, he's just slumping. It's it's not good. Uh, and then the second one was, did JSN, Wally Pip, Garrett Wilson? Uh, I mean, I don't think so because Garrett Wilson is more of the outside guy. But I, I think if anything, and I, I've said this, and I hate that like I'm trying to make this a thing, I think he's kind of Wally Pipped Chris Olave in this offense, honestly. like It just seems like Stroud has more of a connection with Wilson and... Smith and Jigba because they're less deep threats, if that makes sense. Maybe, I mean, those guys can do both of that. Garrett Wilson can go downfield. Jackson Smith and Jigba can go downfield. But Chris Olave, and not that he's not a good short yardage receiver because he is, but he is a better deep threat than both of those guys. And I think that just the way Stroud plays right now, it's way more comfortable with uh, the Wilson and JSN type receivers than it is with a downfield guy like Chris Olave. So if anything, I think he's kind of Wally pipped Olave more than Garrett Wilson, but hopefully they continue to work on that and it gets better. Um, That's it for questions. Luckily we're keeping it short today after such a long episode, but if you ever want to ask anything, send me a tweet at doves co. If you just want to say anything, how the show is, how I rambled on for an hour here or whatever you thought about the show, send me a tweet there. Follow along on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. I'm not going through the whole mess. I'm too tired today to run through it all. But like, subscribe, leave a review, leave a comment. Let me know what you think about the show. 
listen to the actual two straps pod where I talk about everything else going on in college football. There's another fun week coming up here for what I, what week 11. Yeah. Week 11 here coming up. I'll have the preview up for that. I'll have the Purdue preview later this week, the Purdue sim video, youtube.com slash Colton Denning, the Jackson Smith and Jigba highlights are already up on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Colton Denning once again, and then go read all of my college football slash sports uh, takes online at uh, twostripescpd.com. That's pretty much, that's where I should wrap up the show. I don't have any more final thoughts. I am happy with the win. I want to reiterate that again, that, hey, this, this was a good win for Ohio State, and it's good to see that the defense can win games and win these close games, and they can have a competent defense and special teams unit that's good enough for them to win, but the offense and the head coach need to be much, much better if this team wants to even get close to any of the goals that they have that are still on the table, and that starts next week against Purdue. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with the preview later on this week. But until then, thank you for wishing. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful start to your weekend and end to your weekend and daylight savings isn't messing you up too much. But until next time, I'm Colton Denning. This is Scarlet and Gray Stripes, and I'll holler at you.